Welcome to our fourth quarter Market Outlook webcast. I hope you and your family are doing well. I'm Suma Nair, Chief Fiduciary Officer at Fiduciary Trust. In today's discussion, we'll help you stay informed by sharing our latest views on the global economy and financial markets. I'm joined today by Austin Shepard, President and CEO of Fiduciary Trust, and Hans Olsen, our Chief Investment Officer, who will share our perspective on these topics. Over to you, Austin, to begin today's discussion. Thank you, Suma, and thank you for joining us today. Uh, here we are. We've had a busy summer, and we're into the final sprint to the end of the year. I'm joined, as, as Suma mentioned, with our Chief Investment Officer, Hans Olson. Hans, how are you? Good, Austin. Great to be with you. Excited to hear your thoughts. We're going to uh, pursue the format that we have uh, most recently. I'm going to turn it over to Hans and have him walk through um, a few slides and perspectives on the markets. And so with that, let me turn it over to you, Hans. Thanks, Austin. We have a lot to talk about, um, most notably returns last quarter. Very tough market. Another quarter of, of, of declines, uh, adding to the prior two quarters of the year. So we've had three consecutive quarters of market declines this year. You'd have to go back to 2008, 2009 to see similar declines in the market. I think we, we were expecting uh, a very tough quarter. Indeed, back at the end of the last quarter, we warned folks about getting terribly bullish based on uh, the market action at the time because we thought we would see a bear market rally. That is a rally within the trend of a bear market. And indeed, while the markets rallied pretty strongly during the summer months in, in, in July and through to parts of August, uh, they reestablished their downward trend uh, at the end of August and into September. So we have retested the lows and broken through those lows of June as we expected, as, as, as the, 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 the difficulty before the Federal Reserve was become apparent to everyone that inflation is not transitory, there, it, it's uh, much stickier, much more problematic, and it's going to require more effort uh, to bring it to heel. Now, the market uh, decline that we saw last quarter was not at all limited to uh, the equity market. It was broadly through fixed income and international markets as well. So we're looking at returns this year across the capital market landscape that are down double digits. Indeed, mirror, Im mirror images from last year. So the question really before the House is where we stand in all of this. What's the, 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 per, the prevailing narrative during the summer months was that we somehow we the, the Federal Reserve would engineer a soft landing thereby not creating a, a, a severe recession through um, further interest rate increases. Everything would work out just well enough so that inflation would moderate, uh, the, the, the economy would slow down just enough, and they wouldn't have to follow through with additional interest rate increases. Well, uh, that, a lot of that is predicated on the notion that the economy was slowing, and, and indeed, in some corners, people uh, were asserting that the economy is already in recession. So what we thought we'd do is open up the lens a little bit and take a look at where we where we stand with respect to the economy and what it might portend for further interest rate increases and therefore what how markets might respond accordingly. So the first thing is is to take a look at the economy. Now we're going to look at the economy here through the same lenses and through using the same metrics that the National Bureau of Economic Research uses. Now this is the group uh, based in Cambridge, Massachusetts that calls a business cycle. They decide when the economy is in recession and when it's not. And, and the folks at the NBER 
use a handful of measures to try to get a line of sight into all things economic. And they use things, they look at things like the depth, uh, the diffusion and duration of economic activity uh, in order to call these things. And specifically, they're looking at things like the employment rate, the unemployment rate, uh, personal income, uh, uh, productivity, and the like. And you can see that, you know, for, for looking at this collection of data, essentially, if the if these lines are moving upward, that means the economy is continuing to expand. And in prior periods, in the shaded area, you would see where, uh, uh, during these recessionary periods, that's what the, the uh, shades represent, uh, the, these, these measures of economic activity all fell. Well, when you compare what's going on today to, to during periods of recession, the, the, the data doesn't foot. They don't foot. Uh, indeed, everything continues to trend higher, with the exception of um, uh, manufacturing and trade sales. But here, but here again, the decline that we've seen there isn't anything on the magnitude that one would assist the recession. So that's all. That all pretends well for the economy that, in fact, not recession. Uh, that that we can continue to expect that the economy will expand, jobs will continue to be added, and the like. The folks uh, at the NBER also look at other measures of economic output to try to draw a bead on things. So they look at the same measures of output uh, from different sides of the ledger. They look at GDP and GDI. GDP is gross domestic product. That's looking at, at output from the expense ledger. And then they also look at gross domestic income. That's from the income side of the ledger. Theoretically, these two things, these two measures of economic activity should equal one another. After all, one person's expense is another person's income. And in fact, for the most part, these things are pretty close together. The differences are generally due to timing and measurement discrepancies in the life of the life. What we find this year is that uh, from the expense side of the ledger, GDP, the, the economy has declined for a consecutive two consecutive quarters, which is why people think that the economy is in recession. However, if you look at the, the economic activity from the income side, not only are we not uh, uh, contracting, the economy is not contracting, but it continues to grow, albeit at very, very low levels, but growth nonetheless. So what this means is that the, the, the principal sort of uh, area of conflict, which is inflation, right, which is what growth and, and, and breaks in the supply chain uh, all uh, uh, manifest will likely continue to be a problem because we are not recessing; we're continuing to grow, and these problems that we're seeing within uh, within the economy about inflation continue on uh, as as they have been over the last year or so. Although they are moderating somewhat, they're still across the the bucket of goods that the basket of goods that we consume. They continue to be moving along at rates much higher than what the central bank would like. So, if we look through what this means for markets, we're seeing most notably that the, the response from the Federal Reserve, which has been raising interest rates at a, at a, at a gallop, at 75 basis point hikes uh, for every meeting, has had an impact of, of really uh, pushing higher the dollar. And indeed, we're at levels with the dollar that we haven't seen in, in decades. Um, and, and this is going to help moderate inflation somewhat because a stronger dollar uh, leads to more purchasing power for those things that we import, but it also has an impact on the export side as it makes our goods much more expensive 
uh, to folks who would buy them overseas. So there's a, there's a negative and a positive to this. But as we think about the impact on markets that, that the, the, the rise in interest rates, uh, will have, and of course in the backdrop, backdrop, we have uh, problems with energy right now. This is the, the energy complex has been uh, dislocated because of war uh, and because of um, uh, a move to more uh, green-oriented uh, fossil fuel-free economies. We've seen some shocks in two of the most basic inputs into an economy, uh, the price of money and the price of energy. And we've shown this chart in the past. And it's been a marker of, of what reset, what might catalyze a recession. So when we look at money and crude and shocks to both, they have generally throughout history presaged a, a slowdown in economic activity. And so right now we've seen uh, an assault to both. Although energy prices have, have, have sold off of late, they looked like, it looked like that they might uh, uh, be in for a move higher. And certainly the price of money is expected to move higher as well. So as we as we take a measure of the economy, it looks like we're okay for now, but if we look over the hill, we can start to see the, the probability of an economic slowdown rising as the inputs to the economy uh, uh, rise, both in terms of the price of money and the price of uh, energy. And then when we look at uh, the relationship of money through times, or market-based measures of where the economy is likely to go, we're, we see this notion of an inverted yield curve. And we've talked about this in the past, where longer interest rates are lower than shorter-term interest rates. And that is a measure of risk aversion that, in fact, uh, economic activity will eventually slow. And indeed, as the longer that this inversion in the yield curve occurs, the higher the probability that recession will ensue. The interesting thing right now is that the level of inversion that we've seen between uh, the two-year and 10-year Treasury note, again, is a marker of what might follow. We'd have to go back to the, the tech bubble of 2000. This is the level of curve inversion that we've seen right now, which means that we, 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 we are increasingly concerned about an economic slowdown, indeed, perhaps unfolding next year at some time, which means that the, start, the, the strength in the economy we see right now allows the Federal Reserve to continue its program of interest rate increases, certainly through the end of this year, perhaps into the early next year, with the worry that we'll have to deal with an ensuing economic slowdown, whether it's a full-blown recession or a, a recession of, of mild to moderate uh, 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 depth. Uh, will 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 be revealed at some point next year, but that's essentially what what is before investors at the moment. Now, when we think about when we think about what the market implications of this are going forward, several things. First, uh, we're likely to see, from our perspective, it's likely that we're going to see a market bottom somewhere in the fourth quarter of this year. It's important to remember that markets are forward-looking me mechanisms; they discount the future. Uh, market, equity markets tend to turn higher well before a uh, recession is resolved. Um, indeed, it's, it's six months or more. And it would be our expectation that if we see a recession sometime next year, uh, mild or moderate, we'll start to see the equity market move well in advance of that and probably at the very end of this year, indeed, early next year. Um, now there, and, and so this process of making a market bottom, 
uh, which is what I think we are in right now. It's going to be messy. Uh, it's very uneven. Uh, it takes time for it to happen. Uh, it means that we retest these lows uh, and we start to form a base from which we move out of. It's interesting to note right now that there are opportunities developing across the capital market landscape. The first area is investment grade bonds. A year ago, a year and a half ago, the yields on investment grade bonds were roughly 1%. Right now, they're almost 5%. Similarly, similarly, in the high yield market, we're seeing yields that went from roughly 4% a year, year and a half ago, close to 10% now. These yields are getting very attractive indeed. This is a, this is a, this, uh, results from markets that are down 10 to 20%, and it's offer, beginning to offer us some opportunities to think about putting cash to work in part of these markets and able to lock in very nice yields indeed. Indeed, in some cases, yields that are above the inflation rate, so real yields as well. Furthermore, we're starting to see the risk pricing in these markets as, as represented by option-adjusted spreads, certainly in the high-yield markets, suggests that there is a level of risk pricing being reintroduced to markets that, one, is healthy, and two, confirms the opportunity that perhaps is before us. And similarly, in other parts of the bond market, or the loan market in this case, we're starting to see um, measures of stress that would um, indicate that opportunities are opening up for more enterprising investors. And this is an area that we've been active in in the past, and we'll be looking to be active again in the future. Now, the open-ended question in all of this, right, it's easy to talk about the, you know, the fixed income markets, but what about the equity market? Well, from the equity market perspective, um, you know, I, I think the big thing that we've seen this year is a repricing of yields. We've talked about this in the past. Multiples on, um, on, on the market have come down from the low 20s to roughly 15 or 16. Most of the decline in the market this year is a result of earnings multiples falling rather than earnings falling. However, we've thought, thought this for some time now that the, the next shoe to drop in the resetting of markets would be earnings rolling over, reflecting a slower economic and, uh, growth environment. And indeed, that is unfolding right now. Beginning of the year, expectations for earnings growth in 2022 were on the order of 10% or so. Currently, they're, they're 8% and falling. Similarly, next year, uh, the, the declines that we're seeing this year are also unfolding for next year as well. And indeed, in foreign markets, this, this phenomenon of a re, uh, repricing of what earnings growth will likely be is also unfolding. Multiples across the uh, across the landscape are contracting, which is giving us opportunities to think about uh, putting more money to work eventually when we start to work when we get further through the working through of the bottom. And then finally, I want to come back to this this uh, this chart that we have shown in the past, and it's this the idea of epics, where you know, for the last 30, 40 years we've been in this epic of the great moderation falling interest rates, falling inflation, um, uh, you know, durably higher uh, valuations across markets, not as much volatility overall when you think about it. Well, I think that epic has, is coming to a close, and the new epic that is, is emerging is one of, of greater variability, less moderation in all things prices, and more opportunity 
in many respects across asset classes as, as there's an alternative to just equities. There are fixed income, there's their real assets and the like. So we are in the big early days of a new epoch, and, and that new epoch uh, hopefully will turn out to be just as profitable as the last epoch. And with that, Austin, over to you. Thank you, Hans, uh, for your overview. Um, what I'd love to do now is, can you take all these different points? You've talked about uh, fixed income, you've talked about equities, you've talked about international opportunities. What's the overarching across each of the different asset classes, our, our thoughts and perspectives at this point? Sure, I think part and parcel of what we've been doing over the last well, perhaps nine months, Austin, is to reset some of the risk exposures in the portfolio. So we've been raising cash, recommending clients raise cash. We've reduced things like uh, um, our international exposure because we thought that's where most of the uh, inherent risk was. Um, and those markets held up uh, quite well, all things considered. So here we are, beginning of the fourth quarter. We are overweight cash. We are very underweight international equities. Uh, we are short duration with our bonds, right? Sometimes ultra short. And we've kept largely untouched our U.S. equity exposures, although I will highlight that we, we've changed the, the, the composition of those exposures from more of a, a market weighted to an equal weighted expression so that we captured things like energy and materials, which, which really tend to do better in this type of inflationary environment. So we come into the, the, the quarter conservatively postured, prepared to take advantage of opportunities that are unfolding, like I said, in the, whether it be investment grade, high yield, and eventually in the equity market. Um, so that's what, that's how we're postured at the moment, rather opportunistically. Do you think that, and this plays on your earlier points, do you think this is going to unfold quickly or over three, four months, or I'm sorry, three, four quarters. And so, again, we're sort of, what I'm interpreting is we may be uh, uh, setting the table for next year. I think setting the table for next year is a really good way to put it. Um, because if we're right that things are fine now, that means more interest rate increases to come, right? So we could get two or three more rounds of this, um, which will cause more market ructions. But we're, we're bouncing along, you know, I think the bottom. If not the bottom, pretty close to it. So things are, you know, so we have a resetting of prices in the market right now. If past is prologue, um, and we do see an economic turn of events next year, markets will start to price that. We're pricing it now, but they'll start to move higher as a result of anticipating interest rate decreases later on. So my guess is, is it three or four quarters? My guess is it's probably two quarters. So probably sometime between the end of this year and the end of the first quarter of next year, we'll start to see this bottoming pattern play out and uh, markets start to anticipate the next part of the cycle. One thing that um, is hard to anticipate, uh, and my guess is informs the thought of the duration on this, is we're in the Ukraine. Um, and its impact globally, its impact on oil, its impact on commodities, and we also have winter coming. Um, how does that, yeah, that uh, influence your perspective on this? Yeah, the, the Ukrainian war is, um, it really has changed sort of the, uh, the calculus in so many ways. Uh, certainly it's catalyzed concerns around energy, how quickly can you move from 
a fossil fuel based economy to uh, a more green economy and the resiliency and the redundancy that one needs to make that durable. Um, but more importantly, uh, it's had an impact on um, uh, just uh, energy flows in, in the core of Europe. And in, while the stocks are pretty good right now, the, you know, the Germans have been able to get the energy stocks up. If you have a cold winter in Europe, and, and they are not able to replace those stocks, it, it is possible that they could see their inventories fall below 20%. And if that happens, things start to break, right? Mm -hmm. Pipelines are hard to maintain if you don't keep the pressure. And, and just uh, this week, we saw, as we expected, OPEC cut its production by about 2 million barrels per day. Uh, all this is going to come together to say this, it could be a very difficult winter indeed. And they are now talking about, you know, do you ration? Do you, you know, they're talking about sweaters, turn down the heat. Uh, uh, so it could be a rather very, very difficult winter, um, which, which means that energy prices remain high. And that's indeed one of the areas that we're looking at. Um, opportunities in the energy sector from fossil fuel to transition, uh, with everything being marked down the way it has. There are some pretty interesting opportunities that are developing. Excellent. Well, thank you, Hans, as always. Uh, and we've got, as we've discussed, we've got a lot coming up, uh, and we look forward to uh, reconvening uh, at the end of the year. Uh, so again, I'll turn it back to Suma and appreciate everyone making time to join us today. I'd also like to express appreciation to our audience for joining us. We hope that you found the discussion useful. We are experiencing an uncertain time in the economy and the markets. At Fiduciary Trust, we have extensive wealth planning, investment, trust, tax, and other expertise to help our clients navigate through it and achieve their goals. I encourage you to access some of our knowledge through insights on our website at fidtrustco.com, as well as by reaching out to your Fiduciary Trust officer or Rick Tyson at 617-292-6799 or Tyson at fiduciary-trust.com. Thanks again for joining. The opinions expressed in this material are as of the date issued and subject to change at any time. The materials discuss general market conditions and trends and should not be construed as investment advice. Any reference to specific securities are for illustrative purposes only and are not intended to be and should not be interpreted as recommendations to purchase or sell such securities. Nothing contained herein is intended to constitute investment, legal, tax, or accounting advice and viewers should discuss any proposed arrangement or transaction with their investment, legal, or tax advisors. Copyright 2022, Fiduciary Trust Company.